When Carolyn Pugh arrived at Princeton in the fall of 1977 from an urban high school in Tennessee, it didn't take long for her to feel like an outsider on campus. Back in those days, black students rarely joined eating clubs, and Carolyn couldn't afford to study abroad like many of her peers. After graduation, she left New Jersey and never looked back. Well, that is, until her daughter, Alexa, was accepted into Princeton's class of 2016. I'm Allie Wenner from the Princeton Alumni Weekly. For this episode of Paw Tracks, we spoke to Carolyn, who's a member of the Princeton class of 1981, and her daughter, Alexa Pugh, who just graduated in June. The two of them have a lot in common, but their experiences here on campus were very different. They told us more about how their extracurricular activities and the time periods that they were here on campus really shaped their Princeton experiences, for better and for worse. When I came here, it was 77. That was soon after women um, were fully integrated on campus and soon after, it was early in the time that big numbers of black students were coming on campus. So I didn't realize it until afterwards that it was a changing time. I was here during the time of the 1978 protests as well. So that was um, asking the university to divest from South Africa. Um, so I participated in that. I was not vocal and out front, but I was one of those marching around and around in circles. And it was a very, um, very visible thing on the campus during the, the time that I was here. It was, it was huge, at least for two school years that I can remember. I was very active in the Third World Center when I was here. I think I mentioned coming back for my 30th, and um, the Third World Center was getting, getting ready to, they were going to demolish that building. And uh, so a lot of people came. I, I, really, I remember thinking how sad that was that they were going to demolish it and how that was home to so many of us. And um, the special place that it meant for, for a lot of us. Like I was from the South and I was from Memphis, Tennessee. And so and I remember when, when I showed up at Princeton, I had never been here before. I didn't do a pre-visit or anything. So when I showed up, I had luggage in hand. And um, so I just felt like it was a place that was welcoming. And so when I talked to Alexa, she said, well, we have the Caulfield Center. And I remember telling her, well, that's not quite the same. But I'm glad they have the Caulfield Center. I feel good about that. In a physical sense, it's more a part of the main campus because it is along the street uh, where, the other, where the clubs are. And um, so it just feels more integrated. So I think that's a good thing. On the other hand, I think some things were lost by not having the Third World Center. And, and a lot of us old school people, we still call it the Third World Center. Uh, we call the call the call field center is where it's located, but the third world center is kind of more of a, a frame of mind, a part of who you are. But what it seems to me is the call field center is certainly nicer. It's a nice building. It looks nice. It looks like a good place you'd have receptions and things like that. The third world center felt like a hangout, and it maybe looked like a hangout. You know? But uh, you, there was no problem at all going down there and just crashing um, and just waiting for somebody else to walk through the door because there's certainly somebody else who would walk through the door and you just hang out. I, I get the sense the Caulfield Center is a little more formal than that, although I must say I don't know because I'm not, I'm not here. When I go there now, and I've been there several times, I tend to go for events. I don't think I'm going there just to hang out. Um, it, it, but I'm an alumnus now, so I'll allow that that's different. But I, I think the good thing is it's brought more into the mainstream of the university and of the campus. Uh, for somebody who was here way back, um, it, it feels 
uh, not as, it doesn't feel like my place. So that's the difference. And I, I, I won't blame the Caulfield Center or the administration. I would just say that um, it was a different time. And that's why I tell Alexa a lot. I said, it was just a different time. It's not really a hangout place. And even the administration's admitted that. But every time I've been there, it's been pretty empty or it's been some sort of reception. I feel like some of the minority groups have things there, but there's not like a central point mm -hmm. for them. Like the Prince Association of Black Women and like the Latinx mm -hmm. groups and all of that, they don't hang out in the Third World Center. They may host like Soul Food Night mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You know, another thing I think that's different, of course, is the, this. it's different now. Um, there were few outlets for some of us, whereas they, there's all kinds of things for people to do now. And, you, you know, people might say, well, there were all kinds of things to do then. But not if you had not been exposed to this kind of world. But I came from a big urban school, high school, all black high school, urban city. And, and, and now I realize it wasn't just me. A lot of people felt like I do not belong here. But it wasn't just me. There were a bunch of us who felt, whoa, how did we get here? We do not belong here. Um, and so I wish that we had known that then like you are the only one and people you know we're we're kind of in this together but but we were much more private about having less mm -hmm. so if you participate in a lot of things you would expose yourself to having less like if you tried to get into the club uh, first of all you couldn't afford it and your parents couldn't afford it um, so so rather than expose yourself that way you just didn't even try to do that but it's different now so like Alexa she wanted to be in a club and I was thinking Okay, I think that's a part. Like I didn't realize about 80%, they say 80% of students here are in clubs? Oh, or 80% of students who are eligible are in clubs. And I thought, seriously? In my world, there were like hardly anybody who I knew was in a club. So I thought, well, that's a main part of the social life of the university as it exists today. And so I wouldn't want her not to be able to do that. And so, um, so I supported her being in a club. Well, everyone can feel like they don't belong here for many reasons, mm -hmm. but when the social life is around all these clubs, like I'm in Terrace, I'm very happy about it, but it's also pretty expensive, not everyone can afford it. And then when you get to the past system and being put on lists for things, it's horrible. <laughs> I don't know, it's just like, that's the only thing we can do. Like people don't hang out in bars really. Like you can have a party in your dorm room, but it's not the same as like everyone, like all the students are like going to go hang out in, mm -hmm. in this big house. A lot of the people who are protesting, they don't belong to that world. Like you have to pretend to be a certain way or like you have to act a certain way, you know, mm -hmm. just to like meet more people and get the passes or be able to, I don't really know, like mm -hmm. it's just such a mm -hmm. particular culture. But if students don't want to be a part of it, well then they have to make up their own things. I was thinking about this recently with friends. I don't like it, but I think that it's the same at many other schools, if not worse, with like fraternities and sororities. Like there's always some exclusive club, the only way to have fun or like the mm -hmm. mainstream fun that everyone's having. Mm -hmm. Terrace doesn't feel like that. I'm glad I joined mm -hmm. that one. It's non-bicker and it's, you can just have your props and go in, your student ID and go in. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that vibe like where everyone's just hanging out. Are you glad that you came to Princeton and are there things that you wish would change for your child? I think I'm really glad that I came here because I met a lot of really wonderful people and you have no idea how like talented people are until you're among them and like making things with them. There were rough times and I did get annoyed with like the exclusive things and I got annoyed that 
some people can take a break at Princeton, but a lot of the time your break feels like time cut out of the time that you should be working. (laughs) So I had a certain amount of work that I wanted to do every day for my first three years. So I was like, I have 300 pages of reading to do. That means every day I have to read 50 pages. Um, Times four. (laughs) Times four classes. (laughs) So then... I would, I would just be staying up until 5 a.m. reading and then I, like still wake up for class because I don't like skipping class and just like do all of that until Thursday. It was after I studied abroad that I calmed down. <laughs> <laughs> so she studied abroad her I forgot junior about that. year. That was awesome. Yeah, and that was, that was another thing, thing that I just couldn't even consider. But And she said too, well, it was different. Everybody wasn't doing it. Well, well now they are, and so I'm glad she had an opportunity to do it. Before Alexa was accepted to Princeton, Carolyn had returned for two reunions, her 10th and her 30th. But since 2013, she's come back every year. I got on Facebook in 2009, and and I found a lot of people on Facebook, and it was like this whole Princeton community of people I knew exploded on Facebook. And this, these were people I wanted to see again, and I was living in Wisconsin, so far from Princeton, and so far from anything orange and black. And so that was a way for me to reconnect with Princeton. And so when I come back with Alexa, I I look at Princeton a whole different way. When I first came back with her, her freshman year, so I had a whole new kind of way of looking at Princeton. It was a new excitement. Like I said, I came back for my 10th and no more till my 30th. That's a lot of time that passed. So I didn't have an affinity to the university during that time. It was, but when I got on Facebook, I realized that a major time of my life was here, Um, a major period in my life, a defining kind of period. And the people that were here during that time were not people I wanted to lose track of. And so it was sometime after that that I thought, you know what, I went there, I did what it took to get through there, and I'm proud to say that I went to Princeton. I, I wasn't always proud to say it, I, I'd say I went to school in New Jersey, but I felt differently once I could look at it in a different generation and through, like, through her eyes. 2016 was Alexa's fourth year attending reunions as a student. For the first three, she worked serving food at the 15th reunion tent, but this year, with her graduation coming up immediately after the festivities, it's a different story. I don't know, it's very bittersweet because I'm getting everything I wanted, kind of. I mean, the whole four years have been like, when will I graduate? Just because it's so, so hard. It's so great, but it's so hard, and I just... Every year at the end, especially after spring semester, it's just like, I can't do this for much longer. <laughs> um, so that's, so, and then also I'm going to be living in France next year, which is what I've always wanted. But since I'm going to be so far away, now I'm sad to be leaving. Like, very sad. It'll, it'll go really fast. Yeah. Like, like writing your thesis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Allie Wenner produced this episode. The music is licensed from First Com Music. If you have a story you'd like to share, email us at paw at princeton.edu to set up an interview for Paw Tracks. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you're new to the podcast, please check out our past episodes. If you're listening on the Paw website, you can click on the Paw Tracks hashtag at the bottom of the transcripts. You can also listen to all 30 episodes on iTunes.